Welcome back, Richard. Hey. It's good Welcome. to see you this morning. Happy August. Yes. Happy you know, August. if you had to do it in July, it's too late. Too late. Yeah. Right. Well, in, in schools, in school, starts of school is just around the corner, and um, you hear those school bells ringing. Uh, everything's about to everything's about to change again. That's where <laughs> you know when school starts, you just get that feeling that you're barreling into the holiday season, right? And I mean, oh. it's a sure sign that the holidays are right around the corner. I think, um, I think the summer sales are over, and we're already getting stuff out for all the Halloween stuff is out. So what oh, is yeah. it? August, yeah. Well, get it, ready. Uh, absolutely. But so last week on the podcast, we talked about narcissism we talked about it sort of in, in general terms what it is um we talked about and it kind of differentiated between some healthy narcissism as a as a personality trait as a uh, a sense of self that can contribute to one's um the profession it could contribute to the way that just one sees themselves and interacts with the world we also talked about pathological narcissism and that's the the true mental health diagnosis, um, you know, in, in psychology and psychiatry, we have a diagnosis called uh, narcissistic personality disorder. Right. And that is sort of that pathological narcissism. Um, it's not diagnosed until 18 or so, but um, you, you know, you can, there are some signs that you can see leading up to that, that may suggest that um, something needs to be done to prevent that from happening. Right. Yeah. They, we, we talk about, um, not making the diagnosis until you're 18 because narcissism or at least being self-centered, you know, and I, we use those terms interchangeably, at least being self-centered, it's not abnormal before age 18. And I, I don't want to say it's normal. We don't want to argue that, you know, it's normal to be selfish or it's normal to be narcissistic. It's just not abnormal before the age of 18. And we see it in infancy. Um, infants are very self-centered because they have to survive. So they tend to think that they are the center of the universe. When kids get to the early childhood, like toddler stage, they begin to realize that th there are other people and other objects in the world. But even toddlers tend to be very selfish. And you can you can imagine a two or three-year-old, no, that's mine, or I had it first, or you didn't let me win, or they, they kind of put themselves first. And that's not abnormal because you have to self-preservation. Teenagers are notoriously self-centered. Mm -hmm. um, in psychology, we talk about the personal fable that I am unique in the world. You know, I am I am special and I am unique. And you I'm know, the only one that has ever experienced this. Nobody, nobody feels as deeply as I do. Yeah. Teenagers feel that way. And then there's this imaginary audience that everybody's looking at me. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody, nobody but you thinks your hair is bad today. You know, the, that that's the rest of the world is not really terribly interested in, in you. They're, they're not as interested as you think they are. Okay. Right. So, but teenagers are notoriously self-centered. So what we want to do is we want to move people from being self-centered. We want to go from self-centeredness to self-esteem. Right. And that's a maturational process. Absolutely. Because as we mature, um, that self-centeredness evolves into self-esteem and right. You know, self-esteem, we've talked about this on so many other podcasts, self-esteem sort of emerges and is is born from accomplishment and achievement. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and you can have this, you know, if you're not careful, you can see where this split can begin, where a person 
starts to experience some accomplishment and some achievement, and they can either go that route of um, sort of that narcissistic like route where, you know, oh, well, I'm the best, you know, I always have to win versus that, you know, true self-esteem, which is, you know, I, I can, I can do this. It's not really what you think about yourself per se. It's what you can accomplish. That's um, right. You know, it's, I'm a pretty good soccer player. I'm not the best soccer player. Right. I, I'm not the best soccer player in the world. There are there are many many people who are better than I am, but I, I enjoy soccer and I I can hold my own if I'm on the field. And you know that that's sort of the difference between a narcissistic path versus a you know healthy self esteem path. Right, and that's why sports is the obvious example, but art, music, sports, and there are many, many ways to do this. Sports is just the most obvious example. When you start something, like you you think of a, of a four or five-year-old in a tumbling class, in a gymnastics class. Well, a five-year-old isn't on a four-inch balance beam. They're learning how to do somersaults, okay? And you learn how to do things, whether it's dance, soccer, gymnastics, cheerleading, doesn't matter what it is. You start with no skills and you gradually develop skills. You challenge yourself to develop skills. That's where self-esteem comes from. Not right. thinking I'm the best at it. I'm, I'm told I'm the best at everything. No, you're not good at anything, but you learn how to overcome stuff. That's where true self-esteem comes from. It's from accomplishment. Right. And that's why it's so important for kids to fail sometimes because right. they, if all they experience is success, why wouldn't they think that they're the best at everything? Why wouldn't they think that they can do anything? Because that's what their history tells them. You no, know, that's true, Bernie. If you think of a student, if they get all A's all the time, well, if they suddenly get a B, it has to be somebody else's fault. Right. I'm I'm a straight A student. If right. I get a B, it's the teacher's fault. Right. Yeah. If I get a B, it's somebody else's fault. That's because it can't be me. And far too often, parents support that by saying, well, you know, we need to talk to the teacher and find out what happened there. Um, right. As opposed to saying, well, you just need to, well, the, the example that we have from so long ago, you, you know, the, the girl who didn't make the soccer team and well, you have to work harder. Work harder. Yeah, That's the, mm -hmm. that's the message from dad. You just have to work harder. I'm that's not going right. to go to the coach and change that for you. So yeah. as children develop and they work towards adulthood, you know, one of the, there, there are a number of things that they have to be able to do. And, and one of those things is they have to be able to consider other people's point of view. That's you right. Mm -hmm. So often, again, children kind of grow up with this. Um, I know, I know everything I know best. Um, nobody else can understand. And so they have this difficulty understanding that other people may think differently and they may have a very different point of view. And right. so, mentally healthy adults are able to, you know, consider that they may not know what someone else is thinking or feeling, but they can understand that, you know what, they may have, there may be a different point of view to this. That's right. They're different from mine. Right. I I have to think about other people having a point of view, right. not, not just my, other people have their point of view as well. Right. Um, empathy, of course, for other people's circumstances, you know, right. you have to, you have to think about, where other people's backgrounds, other people's situations, other people's circumstances, and you you need to think in terms of what the other person is going through. Right. Yeah. And then sort of the third thing that, that kids have to learn as they're making this transition to adulthood is 
to be a, an emotionally and mentally well adult is that they have to sort of genuinely care about other people's feelings. Like, right. Richard, how many times, you know, I know you go for walks sometimes um, around a what can be a relatively busy um, path around a lake around, in our community. Um how many times are you walking and you know there's there's a couple of people walking towards you and they're taking up the entire sidewalk and they just don't move no it's like it's their walking sidewalk like, okay i guess i'm going to step over and try not to fall into the lake while you walk by instead of you guys you know moving into a single file line for to just right. get past. it's like just not even recognizing mm-hmm. that other people have feelings and other people have circumstances not even they're just oblivious to that right right yep and and the, the the interesting about this is that not developing empathy not developing these character these positive characteristics is one of the biggest warning signs that not just about narcissism but about having per, other personality disorders i mean the, this is something the development of empathy uh, understanding other people, valuing uh, other people, um, is related not just to narcissism. It's related to most of the personality disorders. Absolutely. So, what are the warning signs well, of narcissism, especially in children? What are we What are we looking at? Uh, what should we look out for? Um, there, there are a number of things. And, and again, as we go into this list, we want to, you know, again, repeat that. We're not talking about diagnosing narcissism in kids. What we're talking about is um, these are some signs to be watching for that you may be following a bad path or a path that could lead towards narcissism. And so if you see some of these things, we need to get some intervention going to to try to correct that. And so one of the first things is the obvious, just extreme egotistical perspectives. Very self-centered. Everything is just about them. Very self-centered. And to the point where they're behaving in a way that their perspective is that all that matters is what I want and what I Mm -hmm. What am I getting? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So that egotistical perspective is is a major warning sign. Right. Yeah. It's things like they don't. If you have a child who doesn't show gratitude. Right, but they, and and you know, parents will say that. But no matter what we do, it's not enough. You know, they're, they're never thankful for what they get. It's always, what else am I getting? Um, the sense, the sense of entitlement that I deserve all this, the lack of compassion for toward others. Uh, they, they have no feeling towards somebody gets hurt and they don't care. Um, a terrible story yesterday about a kid who stole somebody's uh, um, uh, switch. And because the kid put it down and he turned his back and the other boy stole it. And when his dad said, well, wait a minute, maybe this kid, you know, and the kid said, well, that sucks for him. You know, he shouldn't have turned his back. Absolutely no feeling right. for the person, for the victim. You know, well, that sucks for him. He should have been paying attention. Right. And I thought, wow. Talk about yeah. that. So that that lack of compassion. Um, bullying. Um, many times bullies are really narcissists. Um, and they act out when they're criticized, even if even if you gently tell them uh, to correct them, they they begin to act out and become sometimes even physically aggressive, mm-hmm. because after all, how could you possibly criticize me because I'm perfect? I'm I'm without flaws. Okay? Right. Absolutely. And, and you know, <laughs> and some of the other warning signs are sometimes typical for 
Right. All kids. But again, not abnormal. it's not abnormal. It's not abnormal. But if they, they blame other people for their shortcomings or mistakes, well, it wasn't my fault, you know, um, like you said, well, you know, it, I can't help it. He shouldn't have turned his back. Blaming the victim for for what he did. Um, right. Lying. Um to sort of either elaborate their achievements or to avoid right. accountability, you know, mm-hmm. but, but lying to to either protect themselves or to glorify themselves. Right. right. And then being so competitive um, to the point where they will do whatever it takes to win. <laughs> and, and again, no sympathy, no doesn't care what that means to anybody else. It's just I'll do whatever I take, it takes to win. And that's it. I am special. I have to win. And because they can't even imagine that it's okay for somebody else to win. And that's that lack of other. The They have no sense of the other person is as important. Other people are as important as you. We all have the same feelings. They so, right. And, and as we, and we're, we're about to transition into, you know, what can parents do about this? You know, what I, one of the things I'd like to sort of highlight with this is that as we talked about those warning signs, if you if you think about it, what we're really talking about is a person, a child who is growing up that has a, a relatively weak ego. We think of right. a person who is narcissistic as having this big ego um, and all mm-hmm. of that. Well, what we're really talking about in many cases is a person with a very fragile ego. Right. Because to lose would be too um, too much of an insult or too much of a of a um, contrast that their ego just can't handle that. Right. Um, and it's not so. It's not so much that they that they that they r- truly think necessarily that they are the greatest. It's that to not think that they're the greatest would be too overwhelming and too much for them to handle. And mm-hmm. so. Therefore, they have to present this way. They have to win. And, and I think for many kids, it really is like that. Not to win is a devastating blow to them. They can't, their ego can't absorb that. They can't handle they can't it. can't absorb criticism, failure, being second. Their weak, ego is so weak that they just can't accept. Right. right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fit within their paradigm of who they are. And right. so that makes it really difficult um, and, and, and that becomes more and more the case as kids develop. So the mm-hmm. earlier you can recognize some of these things to, to intervene um, and do some of these things we're about to talk about, the better. Because, you know, if you have a, a five-year-old who's doing that and then they're still doing that at nine and now they're doing it at 15, it's going to be a lot more difficult to do something about that than it would have right. been if you would have just started when they were eight. That's right. And and that's why we mention these things. It's you're right. It's not to make a diagnosis. It's that these are the things that you need to look out for because if they're consistent, if they persist over time and you don't see that gradual t- transition from self-centeredness to selflessness to empathy, then you need to start working on these things. It doesn't mean that you're going to end up as the person is going to end up with a diagnosis, but you need to start working on these things. Right. Absolutely. So let's think about what parents can do. Um, right. And, you know, one of our, uh, you know, re- repeated um, recommendations is just simply consistent parenting. 
Right. So yeah, I hadn't thought about this part, this issue before, but it's it's interesting. Yeah, you you have to be consistent, um, and and we mean consistent from the perspective of how you're giving praise and how you're reinforcing things and how you're expecting things because. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're sort of if the bar for success, let's say, keeps changing right. so, again, such that the child always main, reaches success, well, then the child is going to expect that. Well, you know, an A was okay. Well, that mm-hmm. now a you know a B is okay, or now this is okay, or now mm-hmm. that's okay. Right. No, there's a. This is where we we would like to expect you. We would expect you to do your best right. and. I'm sorry, but a B is not as good as an A. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A B is acceptable, certainly, but it's not as good as an A. I'm not, you know, it's not this, it's just not the same thing. Right. Um, you know, you did really well. You weren't the best. But that's okay. <laughs> Reminder, you weren't the best. Right. right. Um, but and cons- it's okay not to be. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so consistent parenting is just really important. That's right. Because if you're inconsistent, if you're irrational, if you're unreasonable, children would get the feeling that they can't really rely on you. You know, if you're losing your patience, if you're losing your temper, if you're not consistent, if you say you're going to do something, you don't do it. You can impart the feeling to children that they can't depend on you, that they have to do it themselves, that that they have to um, they, they can only depend on themselves because they can't depend on, on their parent. Um, this encourages, fosters the very egocentric behavior that we're trying to eliminate, you know, and this disregard for authority. I mean, there are lots of youngsters running around who just have no uh, respect for authority because their authority figures have made a lot of mistakes. Right. And you don't get respect just because you're older. You right. get respect because you're competent. And so a lot of kids have no respect for any form of authority. All right. So consistent parenting is one of the general principles. The other general principle is managing their demands. And we put this in this general principle category because these kids are going to make demands. That it's 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 part and parcel of who they are and what they do. And they're going to demand and demand and demand. Mostly it's unreasonable demands. So what parents have to learn how to do, what parents have to do is you have to listen to the demands. You know, you can't just dismiss them because that invites trouble. You have to listen to their demands, but you have to find ways to modify the request. Child says, I want to go to Disney today. Well, it may not be possible to go to Disney. Honey, we're going to, we can't go today, but we can go on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can't go to Disney, but we can go here. So, you're constantly, you're not providing excuses. What you're doing is you're you're acknowledging the demand, but you're also telling the child you don't always get everything you want. Right. And that's the, re- and you have to do that regularly with these kids. They have to know that yes, they can make demands, mm-hmm. but they're not always gonna get what they want. Right. And this is where you really have to be careful of how you, you phrase that because if you say, well, we can't go today, but maybe we can go next weekend if you have a really good week at school. Mm. Well, then what if you're not careful, what that can lead to is, you know, if he doesn't have a good week at school, um, now we're going to be blaming the teacher. Now we're going to be blaming other kids in the class. Now we're going to think of all of these reasons. And th- again, this is that slippery slope that parents find themselves on sometimes where it's, 
you know, well, I, I made this um, deal. I, I made this, you know, uh, acknowledge this, this possibility and they didn't make it. They, we weren't able to do it or they, they made some mistakes. So now what do you do? That's do you right. say, no, we're not going to go to Disney because, you know, you had a um, you had a bad mark on Monday. Mm-hmm. Everything today was good, but you had a bad mark on Monday. Or are we going to say, well, we can overlook some of those things. And so it just becomes very difficult to maintain that consistency that we were mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah. So so you have to you have to be always modifying those requests just to give the message that, yes, you can have this, but we have to tone it down a little bit. You don't get everything you want. Then you have to model. So in in addition to these two general principles, you have to model the behaviors that you want. Right. What do you want? You want empathy and you want positive behavior. You want positive character traits. Okay. So modeling empathy is these kids, (laughs) they're they're very good at, at having empathy for themselves. What we need to do is demonstrate empathy for others, you know, the other children in the family, the other spouse, other relatives, neighbors, um, grandparents. And you have to you have to be talking to the child about your feelings for these other people. And they have to see you um, using uh, being empathetic with others, having empathy for others. They have to watch you doing that. Right. And so what this leads to and, and what we want parents to to consider is, you know, verbalize some of those things that you do. You know, mm-hmm. when you are thinking about, man, I really worry about how, you know, um, my friend is feeling because they had a really bad day yesterday. Verbalize that. That's say it right. out loud. And, and, you know, when you're sitting there at dinner with your kid and say, you know, I'm really worried about my friend. She looked really upset today. And um, I know that she's been going through some things. So I'm going to try to call her after dinner. Okay. So mm-hmm. you go play in your room um, or when you're in the bathtub or, or something, I'm going to call her because I'm just worried about how she's feeling today. Right. Right. You're verbalizing yeah. it, and talking about it and recognizing it. And so that they can see what you're doing. Right. Yeah. To, to just talk about these things, just so kids are hearing this, hearing somebody else demonstrate empathy. Okay. And so, the other one is to um, model positive character traits, uh, being honest, being kind, uh, being selfless, um, showing humility. You know, um, um, you can do this in a thousand, parents can do this in a thousand ways, you know, just to just to demonstrate or model those positive behaviors, because your kids are going to model what they see, not what they hear. Absolutely. So so you want to model these things, but we also want to teach things. Right. We need to, we always need to teach because while most kids will pick up on the that social learning, that modeling, um, right. other kids need to be, need to learn directly. And so, again, when you think about teaching kids empathy, think about how you can encourage them to consider how other people are feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, empathy and selfishness tend to develop at about the same time right. on the developmental course of things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one supersedes the other based upon the messages that kids are getting from other people. So if you're, if a kid is showing some selfish behaviors and that behavior is reinforced, that behavior is going to get stronger. If they, if empathy is, um, and, and we will go ahead and admit that a person, it is possible to be too empathetic, 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Too empathetic, mm-hmm. then you're not thinking about yourself at all. And you you right. you know, you're mm-hmm. only concerned as other people. And, and that could lead to some other issues. But teach kids empathy. Talk to them about how do you think your friend felt when that was gonna happen? Oh my gosh, that sounds really like a real problem for them. What do you think your friend is feeling or thinking about with that? Encouraging them to think about and, and consider some of those things. Yeah. Or my teacher was in a really bad mood today and she made, she embarrassed me. And you can say, well, we're going to, we're going to take her to town. We're going to teach her. No, maybe you ought to have a, the conversation could be, well, we need to think about this because maybe she got some bad news yeah. or maybe somebody got injured or maybe she got, you know, let's try to figure out why she's in this bad mood. What, what may have happened to her instead of saying, well, we're going to take care of this. Right. Because think about working through that process because that's a great example. Um, You say, well, my teacher was really mad today and that's why I got, that's why she um, gave me a a frown face in my, in my agenda. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened? Why was she in a bad mood today? Well, something about something at home she said, but you know, well, I know that sometimes when things happen at home, it makes me in a bad mood when I go to work too. And it doesn't happen to you sometimes. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. You're walking them through that process of appreciating that other people feel something and that it's different. Right, right. And then the other thing, the second thing is, besides empathy, is teach the value of work. Mm -hmm. And children should have chores starting at two or three or four. I mean, toddlers should begin to have chores. Not to get an allowance, but because they live here. You, You live in this house and you have to contribute. And you do this, you do these chores and you start very early. You do these chores, you accept your responsibilities because you're part of a family, because you live in this house. Nobody, mom doesn't get an allowance, dad doesn't get an allowance. Nobody gets an allowance for taking care of the house or taking care of the yard. So you teach the value of work because it has its own value. Right. And and then putting others first. Um, routinely ask, um, ask your children, to put others in front of themselves. As we said at the beginning of this podcast, children are by nature a little bit selfish. So you have to keep reminding them to put other people in front of themselves at least some of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And the last thing we want to teach them, and we alluded to this earlier, is that they they can't always get what they want just because they want it. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, when you think about the word no, they, there should be just as many limitations as there are permissions. Right. So as many times as you say yes, you should be saying no. Um, about should, don't be afraid. Be, right. It doesn't have to necessarily be the word no. It could just be, well, you know what? Well, we can't do that today, but mm-hmm. we can do that. You know, that Disney example we gave a few minutes ago. But right. so you're, you're setting some limits. You're you're making some restrictions, but you're balancing that with the permissions. So, right. Yeah. These kids are very strong emotionally, psychologically. They're very, very strong. And, but don't be afraid to say no. I mean, you don't, you should say no as many times as you say yes. So if you're giving, 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 um, you got to save some time to say no. Remember that, that thing about for every, every negative thing you say about a child, you have to say three things that are positive. Same rule applies here. Don't always give in because that's going to feed that ego. That's going to feed that narcissism. So we have these things that we want to model. We have these things we want to teach, but there's also things that we want to discourage. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, we don't want to, uh, we don't want our children to demonstrate greed. For example, we don't want them to build those skills. 
We right. want them to, we, whenever we see a, our child become greedy, we want to address that and, and sort of discourage those behaviors from continuing. That's right. When we see that, I want, I want, I want, it's mine, you know, that, that thing about grabbing that greedy uh, search um, for everything. We want to discourage those kind of behaviors. We also want to discourage blaming others. This is a hallmark of, of selfishness and narcissism is they blame others. Even when they make their own mistakes, their own failings, they, they always want to blame others. And you want to discourage that. It's not anybody else's fault. You have to take responsibility. Right. We also want to discourage behaviors that are very suggestive of being entitled. Um, you know, we mentioned this early on, but, you know, kids who have that sense of entitlement, that that is really on that path of, of narcissism. And so whenever you see that, you, you have to you have to address it. And so you, you got to limit some of those, you know, gift giving. You have to limit those that. Um, you know, just because they ask for it, that they get it, you know, back to the no um, thing, you know, you, but you have to watch out for fostering that sense of entitlement. Right. That's right. Um, I, I was, all, no, just don't, don't let that get yeah. traction because that's going to be a difficult thing to take back. Once you give it difficult to take back and then don't rescue your children. Um, let them let them experience the consequence, natural and logical consequences. If you're late for school, your school might do something. I'm not going to rescue you. I'm not going to fill the. I'm not going to fill in. If you do something wrong, if you break a rule, if you don't turn your assignment in, you're going to have to manage the consequences on your own. So do not rescue your children. Right. And, and the final part of what parents can do really is you know, we just talked about the things that we should discourage from our kids. This is something that we would discourage from the parents. And that is be very careful when it comes to that punishment. Yeah, uh, we're going to want to punish. <laughs> very tempting. Right. It's very tempting to to punish. So be careful and, and be mindful that you don't follow that path because then you start getting into power struggles and, you know, Power struggles are difficult, um, especially with kids with some of these traits that That's we're talking right. about, because they are they could be very strong willed. And, you know, sometimes you get into a battle of seeing who can outlast who. That's right. And with these kids, by definition, these kids are going to struggle harder because you're you're damn you're challenging their egos. And we talked about that a few minutes ago, that with with these children, you have to be careful because wait a minute, I'm the best, I'm the smartest, I'm the, uh, and you're challenging me, they will fight you and they'll probably fight you harder than most other children to win these power struggles. Right. So you need to be very, very careful um, about harsh punishments. You're going to be tempted, but be very careful before you resort to the punishment stick. Right. And that oftentimes means don't get into arguments with them. Um, if, if, if you say something and they, 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 counter it or they argue with you no that's not what happened or that's right. not true or that's not okay you're you know, probably not going to convince them right so so don't entertain don't get into that it doesn't it doesn't matter it's not a competition it doesn't matter who wins right. um because they're not going you're not going to convince them and you know if they're wrong they're not going to convince you so don't that's just right. avoid those that battle and and just back off and, and don't don't yeah, get into that so that's not nobody's going to win that one um you know as we were going through this we, we've been talking about what parents can do 
But actually, these same general principles apply to if you're dealing with a coworker or a partner or yeah. an adult who has these tendencies, the same sorts of things apply. I mean, you're, you're not a parent. You don't have complete control, but um, you can use these. You can apply these same general principles to people who tend to be selfish, um, even if not diagnostically narcissistic, at least they're a little selfish. And so you can use these you can use these same general principles. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that that's it for today. Uh, we want to hope and wish all of you a good start to the school year, um, at least in our area. Um, teachers are heading back to school or, or have already headed back to school. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll students are students to follow. So um, have a good start to the school year. And um, I am sure that there will be lots about that that we will talk about because um, it's going to be an interest, interesting year in education. Things in Florida are getting to be interesting. So we'll be talking about it soon. All right. Okay. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.